Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going well, Riley. How are you? I'm doing pretty freaking well, man. Gotta say. Give me the deets. Uh, well, I had a pretty company-wide sort of initiative thing that I had just launched on Monday to sort of rousing success, I would say. Um, so that was really cool. It took me a lot of work, and my uh, hours logged to my work computer in February are pretty ugly. <laughs> but yep. uh, we're past it now, and I can't wait to get a full night's sleep after we record this podcast but you know i'm happy that happy that happened i'm happy that it's gone well and uh i'm just excited for what's next absolutely congratulations i mean i don't really know any more details other than literally what you've just told me but that's okay (laughs) i did have to i had to do a two different presentations on monday i had one in front of my entire division which is like 400 people Mm -hmm. and i had to do another one for like all the project directors at Epic, which is like another, I don't know, 60 people or something. Right. Um, it's a lot of presentations. When I was younger, I used to have like mad stage fright and I've had to learn to get over that <laughs> as an adult, you know? I feel like this podcast may have helped. It may have. I think also I realized that I'm, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm good at sort of the structure, like I'm in front of a group giving a, set of content that's pre-prepared i think i'm yeah. good at that um you know i wouldn't want to be doing like improv comedy in front, <laughs> in front right. of a group but <laughs> that's what's the deal with these regional venues yeah <laughs> am was, i right yeah for sure man imagine imagine going to like a stand-up show just full of pokemon players talking about pokemon <laughs> that that sounds kind of fun actually <laughs> yeah maybe in like a devilish way we gotta get that going maybe for worlds maybe, maybe for naic <laughs> we could rent out a little comedy club oh god i, I don't know man I, are pokemon players even funny let's start know. there to be honest i think like if you showed people's like pokemon sort of jokes they just wouldn't land at all you know okay you see yeah. these like tweets people make like those things aren't funny and sort of the grand scheme of the universe right like yeah well right and you need a very specific audience but they do this for you know healthcare doctors and things like this or um i just do you really end up in like that funny of a situation in pokemon either i mean it depends on who you're asking, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I feel like I don't end up in particularly funny situations, but maybe other people do. <laughs> you know, how many how many like deodorant jokes can we go through before it's like, all right, we've kind of hit the, the ceiling on this one. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It's kind of my perspective on that, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but hey, if you guys think you're funny... You got some good Pokemon stand-up? You know, send us your demo tape, and we'll, we'll give it a review. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. That sounds like a good episode. Just <laughs> Reviewing going people's through. Pokemon stand-up routines. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good episode. <laughs> so everybody log into Twitter, DM Tag Team Pokemon a two- to five-minute stand-up routine. Because we Pokemon know you guys, are, we know you guys have been working. On it. <laughs> we know, we know you've got, you've tried to incorporate it to your routines for years now. So, go ahead and DM it to us. We'll rate it on an upcoming episode, and you know, I think we'll all be the better for it. Yeah, I think so. That'll that'll be a fun one for sure. <laughs> but what have you been up to? Oh man, you know, same old, same old. My baby's walking now consistently. Nice. So it's been kind of fun because I'll like hold out like a little toy or piece of food and then she'll you know step a few steps and then i'll just move backwards a little bit and then she'll step some more right so it's like she's she's trying to get to it but she can't but that's pretty fun i don't know so that's fun i just like she chases me around the kitchen then in the living room and (laughs) it's cute it's cute she's still trying to figure out how to like step over things so occasionally Mm. she'll get tripped up by a rug 
<laughs> not or, the rug or a toy but uh yeah that's been fun that's you know news on the baby front um work front's been good i feel like it, maybe it's just because the uh, company that we're working for hasn't asked like enough questions you know i feel like it's <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like i know the work i'm doing is fine and adequate and like good and progressing but it's it's a different thing to know you know exactly the ins and out of ins and outs of some of this technology right, that i'm right. using where it's like sometimes things just happen <laughs> and i don't quite know how they happen but it all works you know so to like be technical <laughs> and have questions asked about it i'm like a little nervous about but things are going fine there and i'd say the only thing that isn't going 100 in my life right now is pokemon yikes dude yeah i know knoxville was a was a bummer i mean it was it was actually a really fun tournament but it just it you know i had been on a streak and this was i will say the first time that the manscaped boxers have let me down dang i know that sucks man I know. so you did get points though right i did yeah i was top 256 um but obviously you're trying to play in day two when three players bring the deck and the other two make day two. It, it didn't like sting. I was very happy for Andrew and Jesse, but um, you know, felt like I felt like I could have been there too. Well, that's actually the second time that's happened to you, isn't it? Let's see, Arlington. Are you speaking of? Yeah, that? yeah. I guess so. Well, but they you didn't no, have you didn't have your boxers oh, yeah. there. That's I true. Think that was the that's twist, true. but. Uh, I think there's always going to be the sucker, right? There's always going to be the sucker. <laughs> and sometimes it's just your turn to be the sucker. You know, no, I was the yeah. Toronto sucker. <laughs> you were the Arlington sucker. You were, again, the, <laughs> the, the sucker in Knoxville. It's okay. You know, it happens. We live and learn. That's right. <laughs> so where does that put you on sort of the invite spectrum then? Having oh, yeah. The spectrum is... Spectrum is tight, man. So it is uh, 30 points. Put me at 170. Okay. So I am certainly hoping for, you know, a return to locals. But there's a path there still. Um, you know, it's a regional win. It's a it's a top eight plus pretty much any finish at NAIC. But yeah. the problem is that there's going to have to be an NAIC finish. And historically in all the nationals and NAICs that I played in, they just haven't gone well for some reason or another. Last year I went one three, um, just kind of inexplicably, like with a deck that felt fine and that I had played before uh, to some good success, just didn't really work out. And then in years past, I've had some pretty like terrible misplays, um, like misplays that I would never make otherwise, <laughs> but that I would make at the national tournament. So. Um, Am I worried about it? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I feel like, especially with Knoxville, like I played clean, I played tight. Um, there were just some things that didn't really go my way and some matchups that were practically unwinnable. So, so that's that's four regional finishes as well, right? That's your fourth? Yeah, so I, yeah, right. I have four regional finishes. I think I'm going to be able to make it to two more. And which, that's Fort Wayne and Fort else? Wayne and probably Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Ixnay on the Charlotte. Charlotte's a no go. We're gonna have the uh the uh My Village Ministries uh boys, the the kids that we have been or that we had hosted in the mm, past. Yeah. Mom's going through another round of chemotherapy and so I had to kind of cancel any Charlotte plans so I could help Anne with yeah, I mean, uh, with sense. the boys. Yep. Makes sense. Life takes precedent. Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. Well I mean you could you could easily sort of round out those regional finishes. It almost certainly get one of the two, right? And then uh, you're an NAIC away. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just, it's been unfortunate that I haven't had those spikes, right? We talk about that a lot um, on the cast, especially this season where the regional points payout and the world's invite structure, you know, you have to really make up ground that you would otherwise get fairly right. easily from locals. Um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that I it had locals been a thing this year, we'd be sitting, you know, totally fine, right? Four regional finishes, 
plus those locals, like there is really nothing to worry about. But since we don't have those locals and I've <laughs> kind of not hit those spikes in the regionals, um, it, it just it, it makes it a little bit tougher. But uh, yeah, that path is still there. I'm still, you know, proud of whatever happens because again, I don't feel like I played that badly. You know, looking at how Knoxville went, I ended up playing a Mew VMAX deck with a 1-1 Flying Pikachu tech. And I was convinced of this by Andrew, who kind of walked me through all the different matchups and was saying like, well, the one nice thing about Mew, over pretty much any, I would say almost over any deck uh, in the format, is that it has a really strong Lugia matchup. And I feel like even for some of the counter decks, like they rely on gimmicks, they might rely on Aerodactyl or some type of like weird ability or item lock or, or sometimes even both um, <laughs> to try to overcome Lugia. And then even then there are ways for Lugia to win. But one thing that was very consistent from my playtime with Mew earlier in the season and then from our performances at Knoxville was that Mew just has a very solid Lugia matchup going first, very solid Lugia matchup going second. I did not lose a game in the two Lugia matchups that I played. So I went 4-0 against Lugia in Knoxville. And I think that's just a testament to the strength of Mew and the strength of, of Path uh, being able to get you over the hump in that matchup. But that was like kind of the main reason that we were thinking about Mew. Um, outside of just the group's general comfort level with Mew. Right. Just takes what, yeah, right, Mew year, exactly. <laughs> but it takes a it takes a good matchup in the Lugia, and I, I really don't know how anyone would think otherwise. I think a lot of Lugia players have maybe, I don't know, fudged their way through the matchup or maybe hadn't seen it enough to really give it much credibility. Or they had maybe played Drapion earlier in the season and felt like Mew was... Uh, kind of in the rearview mirror and, you know, certainly didn't play much Drapion in their Lugia list for Knoxville. So we are thinking about that. Okay, good Lugia matchup. But, you know, and then you have a good matchup against kind of the detritus of the format, just the random <laughs> decks, the random two prize decks. So yeah. these might be things like, you know, just Arceus decks, Arceus Duraludon decks, um, you know, it maybe even Vikavolt decks, that's a little iffy, but you know, you can, you certainly have those ways to reuse attacks, you know, over and over on the Muse and retreating and things like that. Gudra is a solid matchup for you. Um, any of these bulkier VMAX, V-Star decks that seem to occupy some of the fringe yeah. of the meta is really good for Mew as well. The only problem I should say there were two problems, but two of the problems uh, were decks such as Reggie and decks such as Lost Box. And the problem with those is that those two decks are afforded a lot of time to be able to take two knockouts. So the Reggie deck just needs to find, you know, a snipe one time and a couple of Reggie Gigas or two Reggie Gigas with choice belts. And they can win the game in two attacks. Um, so they have, you know, four, five, six turns to kind of build up to that. Lost Box, especially the Lost Box list that Azul won with, the Drapion and Sky Seal Stone are almost in, you know, it's not, it's not obviously, it's not an instant win condition because you only take, <laughs> you only take four prizes. That's with one right. Attack. There's two left. Yeah, there's two. <laughs> I mean, that's plenty to work with. But it's just so <laughs> insane because. You can, you know, get a Cramorant hit in on whatever the Mew player starts with and then ping that later with a Sableye. That's relatively simple to do. And then you're afforded all this other time to come up with the Sky Seal Stone Drapion combo. And even if you don't, prizes. like, you could still take, like, three prizes, Yeah, you right? could still and do it the old-fashioned way. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it, it made it really, really tough. Uh, that matchup in particular. So we are trying to think about things to add to the Mew deck that would improve those matchups in particular, e especially what we figured to be the lost box of the tournament, which would be more resembling Azul's OCIC winning list 
than maybe playing with Kyogre. We didn't really figure that too many people would play, you know, the Rayquaza variant. We were kind of thinking, okay, of, of the people that we would play that were playing Lost Box, they would probably be playing a similar list to what had just won the last major tournament. So with that in mind, we opted for a 1-1 flying Pikachu line because in both of those matchups, it has a really, really like nice, uh, it just fits in so nicely and, and improves those matchups so well. Obviously the Regigigas, they can get out of it with a, an escape rope and a boss or an escape rope and a Serena, but most Gigas don't tend to play escape rope. And if they do, they play one kind of at most. Right. For those matchups and maybe for the random ice cue that they would see throughout the course of the tournament. Um, so that automatically just makes Reggie like a really good matchup. And, and Reggie was solidly played throughout the day. Um, everyone, all three of our, our group played, you know, one or more Reggie over the course of the two days. And then the Lost Box matchup, you, it, it doesn't win you the matchup because they can still put enough pressure on with enough escape ropes and enough Sableye pings and enough, you know, um, Greninja snipes. Like they can do things, but when you're constantly disrupting their hand with Judge and attacking with the Flying Pika and sending their attackers to the Lost Zone with Lost City out, it just, it gets hard, it gets hard. You're trying to make it as grindy as possible for them. And when that deck gets its hand disrupted, it can often lead to really uncomfortable situations <laughs> for that deck where they can miss attacks, um, especially when they're not getting that kind of chip damage, right? Because right. I feel like I think that that's deck, the thing, right? Yeah, the combination. Yeah. I feel like either sort of alone leaves you a little vulnerable, like the Pikachu or the hand disruption on its own can leave vulnerable, right. but having both at once is a a really nice combination there. Right. So we're actually going to be talking a little bit more about the concept next week on the podcast. Riley, you're going to be out of town, so I'm going to invite some guests on to talk about uh, the Flying Pikachu and the Mew deck next week. So I don't want to get too heavily into it in terms of all the matchups and why we decided to go for certain things. But I will say that there were a couple of cards that I'm not going to mention that we'll talk about next week. So maybe that'll get you to click in again on the podcast next <laughs> week. But all that to say... Going through the rounds here, I'll just give a brief recap of what went down in Knoxville. Round one, I played a Lugia. I won that 2-0. Round two, I played a Mew deck. Mew was a little bit tough for our deck because we weren't playing cross switchers. We had to fit in this Pikachu line, so we didn't really have a lot of room for additional consistency or additional path outs. You know, we were only playing two lost vacuum and two counter stadiums. So a lot of non Pika lists might be able to fit in, you know, a collapse stadium, for instance, as another path out or a third vacuum or something like that. But right. I was able to win that 2-0. And then I played Grant Manley at, in round three and we ended up tying, which was really frustrating because I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm playing against Grant. He is definitely playing Azul's list from Oceania. And he ended up playing Kyogre which is a really rough, it's a really rough card for the deck to deal with, um, especially without Oracorio, just because it's so relatively simple for them to get that finishing snipe off, um, which he was able to do in game two. Game one, I just got there. Um, he had seven cards left with two energy and he pulled off the Kyogre combo and he just needed to hit both of those energy in the top five cards. Ended up not doing that, so I won game one, and then lost game two, and then we ended up tying. Round four, I played against a turbo loss box, which was an auto loss, because not only did they play the four escape rope to get out of the flying Pikachu, but they also play attackers that can one-hit KO your Genesects or your Muse. So whatever you bring up, they get one shot. And I think he may have also played a Drapion as well. So it was just like... If he escape roped into a gen, if I promoted a Genesect, he could knock it out with Raikou or Dragonite, and he could do that all from the first turn, which that was, I, I pretty much scooped up my cards, you know, two turns into game number two because <laughs> it it was just that bad. Um, 
in round six, oh no, round five, I played against a Duraludon, won that. Another lost box in round six, where it was the version that I was expecting. Um, I did manage to get the Pikachu up in game one, but it was the kind of thing where, okay, lost box can do things. They just have to have the right combination. And I think he had about seven cards in his hand, six or seven cards, and he was able to pull off the escape rope, boss, Drapion, Sky Seal Stone, knockout on my Pikachu VMAX. And that was game there. Round seven against a Reggie. Lost that one just on draws. Like my first game of that matchup, I started like Genesec, Genesec, pass. Won game two handily by getting out the Pikachu. And then game three, it was, I, I, I forget exactly, but there was some awkward situation where I just wasn't able to attack in the mid game. I think it might've been like a path kind of situation there. Mm. Um, and then round eight, played against the Lost Box, which I won handily and round nine. Alugia. So finished the day at 531, got top 256, but certainly felt like I could have done better. Both Andrew and Jesse made it to day two, so I was really excited for them. Andrew finished in the top 16, and Jesse finished in the top 64. So pretty good runs for them as well. I just couldn't get it done. Hey, you know, at least. Uh the sort of macro success proves the concept, which is at least vilifying, right? Um, when the group succeeds, even in spite of massive failures in their midst. <laughs> uh, who are you calling a massive failure? Oh, I don't know, man. I will say <laughs> um, this is probably the regional where I've not been to, where I've been consulted the least, which I actually felt kind of good about because I felt like that made to me that signaled you guys felt a little more confident in what you were doing um, compared to like Orlando where I was independently getting like text messages <laughs> from different people. So like clearly like the vibes are not right, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I think the concept was solid. I think the micro of the list, there was maybe a few too many cards that get stuck in your hand, but uh yeah, that was certainly a consideration. I, I don't know what I would necessarily change about the list, but again, we'll talk about that yeah. a little more next week on the pod. Yeah, if it was me personally, I'd probably play one less supporter. But. Yeah, that, that's super, super fair. I mean, we were kind of thinking of Serena as that way to unclog your hand. Yeah. And it actually did help me out uh, quite a bit, but, um, you know, it might be the kind of thing where you go to, like, one boss, one Serena or something like that, but... Um, Overall, solid list. It obviously got um, not the not the greatest results, uh, but a top sixteen, formidable top ones. You know, you know we we all got points. So I think for like the amount of players that played that particular list, and then the results that we saw, solid. You know, we can't uh, we can't be upset with with those finishes. Um, you know, totally. Just, just with how luck based the game is right now. So before we jump into card of the day and ads. Um, we'll obviously talk in the second half about sort of the continued dominance of Lugia and, and all that sort of falls in line with that. But are there any other highlights from going to Knoxville that you want to share? I mean, we got a good perspective into your tournament. What was it like outside of the event proper? Yeah, the, the event was interesting. I would say that the <laughs> it was very well run. I am noticing that especially this year. And I think a lot of go credit goes to, uh, you know, the, the head judge or TO or whatever it is um, who, you know, does all the, does all the running, getting the rounds out, um, resolving unfinished matches at time. Um, you know, all the play, all the people that go into that, into making that happen. It was another relatively smoothly run tournament. We were out of there by eight thirty ish. So again, this is coming from somebody who remembers, when we would be stuck at the venue <laughs> and they'd 11. be posting final pairings at 11 p.m. Yeah. And so to get out at 8.30 and you have a chance at maybe getting some hot food <laughs> before going to bed at night uh, is is really um, something that I don't take for granted. So really smoothly run tournament. I felt like the venue was extremely interesting because, and I don't want to talk too much about this because I know we have more kind of relevant things to get to, but it was underground. So, and I just want to say this kind of funny story, but it was underground. So it was kind of um, had, had slightly below average cell phone reception. I know for me personally, I wasn't able to 
get reception, which is a big deal with these tournaments because you have online pairings available to you. So you can <laughs> right. go online onto a website and you can find who you're playing. And that avoids the need for all the players. And again, this is a big quality of life improvement from when I first started, but where you had all the players go to a physical pairing sheet on one side of the venue and the giant amoeba comes in and you know people take way too much time looking at where they're sitting and who they're playing and it was so it was so annoying dude i get so annoyed i'd be like just find your find your number dude and just go go sit down already um so online pairings uh, were not available to me and they were not available to a number of other players because of how poor the cell phone reception was so what ended up happening was the event organizers printed off pairings for us and they set them on the table for us to look at. But the issue with that was there weren't enough tables for them to set them on an open table, like a table free for many players. They had to set it in between tables where there were people setting up. So like in between <laughs> table 37 and table 38, or seating area t 37 and 38, they had one of the sheets. And so what would happen in between these rounds is the players that had to be, that couldn't get the cell phone reception to go to the online pairings would have to be leaning over the shoulders of the people that were literally like setting up to play their games. <laughs> so sick. And it was just so awkward, like I felt, I felt awkward trying to find my table. And I'm sure the people that were sitting there against this crush of people that were trying to find where they were playing also felt really kind of violated. I mean, certainly people were in their area, right? Their, their kind of personal space bubble. And it was just a funny, funny, <laughs> I had never seen anything like it. I mean, I don't know what they do to change it. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that there maybe were better options. I, I don't know that there were better options. It was just a funny circumstance totally. from that tournament. So felt like Knoxville was a solid place for a tournament. I would, you know, go back again. I felt like food options were really good. Um, the venue was a little tight. So hopefully if we do go back to Knoxville, they book a bigger venue. Um, and there was also a leak in the ceiling at one point. The full grip booth had some water coming out of the ceiling right over top of it. But you know, other than those kind of minor complaints, funny complaints, um, well-run tournaments, nice location. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Nice. Well, before we talk about outcomes, let's go ahead and hit on our card of the day here. So, JW, I have – I was thinking kind of about what would be a fun card to share for today, and I decided I – Actually, I have a mentee at work who really, really likes collecting Pokemon cards. You know, they open up Pokemon cards. They tell me about what they pull. Um, and there was one card they were really excited to tell me about. And it's also one of, if not my favorite cards from the Galarian Gallery in Crown Zenith. Um, so I'm not going to give a dex entry because this Pokemon, their dex entry will kind of give it away. But I challenge you to guess what... This is certainly in my top three. What What is this card? It's one of my favorites from the Galarian Art Gallery. It's something that would be noteworthy or iconic to someone to the point where they would at least feel the, the need to mention it, knowing that I play Pokemon cards. What do you think that it, is? It's in Crown Zenith. Yeah, it's in the Galarian Gallery, yeah, Galarian right? Gallery so one of those like Zenith. fun yeah. art cards. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's probably the Mewtwo. Right, because yeah. you got like Mewtwo, like fight. Is that in the, the Galarian Gallery? I or is that in the main set? I don't know um, to be honest, but it's not the Mewtwo. I'm thinking so. about the Mewtwo with the Charizard fighting it, fighting it out. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about, but that's not the one for me. That's not the one. Okay, hold on. I'm looking through my, I'm looking through my Galarian Gallery. I mean, it's not any of the gold ones, right? So no, it's, it's gotta be. I would say it's relatively simplistic, actually. It's a relatively no, simple... no. Mewtwo is in the Galarian Gallery. Haha! -ha, I I knew I wasn't crazy. Oh yeah, GG I see it now. 44. There it is. Yeah. GG forty. Yeah, it's not the Mewtwo though. And I would say on the grand scheme of the of the arts here, it's a pretty simple one. 
Okay, then surely it must be the Aladdin Hoopa. <laughs> no, that one's pretty good. <laughs> um, a lot of them are really good. I was actually between this one and the Simi Seer V-Star. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the Simi Seer. Um, but no, the card that they had showed me was the Ditto. The Ditto oh, disguised yeah. as a Numel. Yeah. I, I freaking love this card. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. so cute. Nubal is a funny Pokemon anyway. Like I, I like Nubal, and Ditto just sitting there like all dopey, <laughs> staring yeah, at the camera. Cool. It's just yeah. so good. <laughs> that's a fun one. I love it. So I mean, the glaring gallery, so awesome. Honestly, like it's really gorgeous. Um, all the cards there are great. I pulled a Dunsparce from a ETB this past weekend, and. I'll definitely that's be gone throwing right that in, the deck. in my decks for sure. Yep. Um, a lot of fun stuff. I, I love the, the concept of the Glary Gallery. I hope they do more stuff like that in the future. It seems like they are. And also on kind of a tangent to that, shout outs to everyone that I traded with over the weekend that's helping me get my full collection of Crown Zenith. I added maybe 20 cards or so that I didn't have oh, nice. already. So I'm I'm sitting pretty. I mean, we're getting to the point now where it's like, okay, you just have some of the higher end higher end cards, like all the golds. I need all the gold, so I'll probably just have to buy more ETBs, right? Um, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> to get those. Uh, but yeah, it's really coming along. I'm, I'm more than uh, 60% done with it. So looking forward to kind of finishing it out here over the next few months. Very cool. Well, before we step any further, I think now would be a great time to thank our sponsor. GW, why don't you introduce our sponsor for this week? Absolutely. The presenting sponsor of the Tag Team Pokemon Podcast is Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier company for all your men's grooming needs and i mean frankly and women's grooming needs to, to to be completely honest with you but they have a ton of fine products for getting rid of any unwanted hair that you may have on your face or down there and i cannot recommend their products enough they got things like the weed whacker they have obviously all the clothing the the manscape boxers that we continue to bring up on the podcast they have um even you know all the scented products right your deodorant your um different uh massage and and, and beard gels they have your um uh, shampoos and conditioners these kinds of things all great products all things that we've been sent and we use practically every day yeah i am a huge fan of manscapes products obviously their boxers are a good luck charm for at least me at pokemon tournaments uh, and I use the new Beard Hedger pretty frequently. I like to have more of a stubbly look, you know. I don't really go for the full beard. So uh, the adjustable settings on the Beard Hedger make that super easy for me. Really nice, quick-to-use, uh, satisfying shave. So if you're interested in checking out Manscaped's products and we've made a compelling pitch to you, the good news is that we are partnered with Manscaped to give you a discount code to make things a little bit easier. So if you head on over to manscaped.com, type in code TAGTEAM, that's T-A-G-T-E-A-M, at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. So really the deal's right there. You just have to find out what products work best for you and throw them in your cart and get that discount. So head on over to manscaped.com, use code TAGTEAM at checkout, and support the cast. And thank you so much to Manscaped for doing so. All right, GW. Lugia won in... It won in Knoxville. And it won overseas in Bochum. I mean, what's going on, man? Lugia, we kind of called it Lugia was still like that deck. You know, we did. But yeah. it's certainly not going anywhere, right? No, no, it's not. I mean, this, this is just... If you're going to play any tournaments in this format, you need to have an answer for this deck because um, not only did it win twice, two major tournaments, but it, it also had, a, again, a relatively solid conversion rate from day one to day two. Um, many good players, many of the top players are playing Lugia. 
Um, so it certainly is, once again, proving it's no fluke and also proving that there's no effective counter to it. You know, yeah. there, there are certain decks that can counter it, but then you look at how they stack up against some of the other decks that people would play. Like, for instance, Mew, we were saying, okay, that has a really solid um, Lugia matchup. But then think of all the things we had to do to get it to have, you know, a passable Lost Box matchup or a passable <laughs> Reggie matchup, right? And it, it's just kind of crazy that you have this one deck that is so good that still can beat its counters, but that within the kind of snapshot of the metagame really has no equal. Yeah, I mean, Lugia is unparalleled right now. Andrew Hedrick obviously winning two regionals in a row with Lugia. <laughs> Insane accomplishment. And, you know, we Lugia seems to have a slight amount of ebb and flow where it'll show up in, like, six of the top eight in one tournament and then maybe falter a little bit the next. But when we say falter, it's, like, it's getting, like, two, three top eights still in spite yeah. of being, like, peak hate mode for Lugia. Uh, you know, you look at the top eight from Knoxville, and you see Eternatus Weezing, which is a, a implicitly trying to be sort of a ability lock hate deck. You have um, two Lugias into themselves. You have the Palkia and Teleon abusing the lack of Bird Keeper, paralyzing. Uh, you have Vika Volt right at eighth place. So, like, people are trying really hard to hate on Lugia, and even then, Lugia still wins the tournament and gets multiple top eights. Like, I think that kind of speaks for itself. You know, not to be too results-oriented, but certainly the results do speak for the efficacy of Lugia in this format. Yeah, absolutely. And again, once again, uh, congratulations to Andrew. A back-to-back finish. Really no small feat at all. That's uh, quite, quite impressive, and, and he should feel extremely proud. But like you were saying... Um, just Lugia is that deck. It's ha- it has all the answers, um, or, or at least it has enough answers to the field that it just is kind of the defining deck of this format and, um, and you know, maybe even beyond. So really, <laughs> really can't stress enough. You, you just got to have – you're either playing Lugia, you're playing something that you think at least has a 50-50 to it because um, it should be something that, especially if you're making day two, you're going to be seeing more and more of it as the tournament goes on. Yeah, and if you're playing Lugia, also make sure you put your legwork into the mirror. Uh, you know, be prepared to play other Lugias, right? You know, just don't don't just assume it's going to be a 50-50 out of the box. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's some skill expression in that mirror. Um, for instance, when you would want to play down a second Lugia versus just keeping one Lugia in play, um, especially going second, there can be times where, you know, it makes sense to just bench the one Lugia if you kind of have a read that your opponent doesn't quite have a a solid setup um you know being able to use luminion effectively um even saving energies for certain kind of late game surprise attackers i'm thinking of saving some powerful colorlesses for stoutland maybe if your opponent starts like a dunsparce um or being able to use raikou in a situation that your opponent isn't expecting or being able to use raikou for you know one shot knockout on a lugia while setting up something else i mean there are some yeah i mean i think there's a lot of you know, we talked about this before, you know, you hit that threshold maybe quicker with Lugia than with other decks, but there's certainly plays. There's also, like, could you put the V-Guard on the Veltal, for example, to prevent Luminion knocking it out? Right. Um, right. Or, you know, four powerful colorless on a Stoutland can take two prizes on the Veltal, <laughs> you know, if you, if you manage to save all those. So I think there's, you know, there's all sorts of lines, but... You know, you'll hit that cap relatively quickly, but you got to put the legwork in it uh, and make sure you understand sort of those fundamentals really well. With Lugia winning, um, were you surprised at any of the other results from either of the two regionals? Um, in of themselves, not really. I mean, neither of the two tournaments lined up exactly with our predictions from last week. But I don't think they were so far removed either that they were explicitly shocking. I think the one thing that was really surprising to me was Brandon Salazar getting second place with the Eternatus Weezing. Um, to be honest, I always thought of that deck as kind of a pile. Um, you know, Frank could 
played at a couple tournaments to sort of middling success. And to be even more honest, I'm not really convinced otherwise by Brandon's performance in the finals. You know, I think I think there are games that Galarian Weezing will just gift you. And then you're if it doesn't just gift you the win, it feels like you're playing a kind of mediocre beat stick deck is kind of my feeling on it. Like, it know. does it well it feels like one of those decks where players can get trapped they can get a little trapped in their own head where into thinking like when they win it's like oh my gosh this deck is so good and then they just discount their losses i don't know and maybe that's not true uh you know but i i do know that that is a tendency that i have where i'll play a deck and like oh my gosh it's you know it beats everything and then if i would actually go back and look at all the games that you know I played right that I was just completely discounting those games where I did not set up or I did not get the optimal turn two that I wanted or whatever it may be. But I just, it does feel like one of those decks where, you know, if I was testing it, I'd be like, Oh yeah, this deck's insane when everything goes right. And then I'll just <laughs> kind of brush off to the side when it doesn't. Yeah. So honestly, I'm not a super huge fan of the Eternatus deck. I've never been a huge fan of Eternatus, and it feels like the deck has gotten... It's been built less consistently instead of more consistently over time. You know, now you're fitting in these, like, very thick wheezing lines instead of a streamlined sort of attacking deck, um, which you need to do because Eternatus isn't good as a just solo attacker um, into most matchups. You need to have that sort of wheezing. But then, yeah, you know, you get all the... (laughs) the weight that comes with playing a 3-3 line of Eternus VMAX. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it is... It, it, you know, you look at the construction of the deck, and I think one thing that will maybe surprise players if they haven't seen anyone play Eternatus in this format is the high count of Marnie and Judge. And that, to me, is just... You know, in combination with Galarian Weezing, is like, oh, I understand. It's a bit of a gimmick... Where they're trying to... It's a glaring wheezing deck, right? You know, like, right, where they're trying to just Marnie or judge you into a bad hand and then hope that's enough to close out the game. Which, it, to be honest, to be completely frank, is not necessarily much different than what yeah. our group has been thinking with Mew. You know, if you really <laughs> no, I, try to compare apples no, and oranges I'm with, here. I'm with you. Like, that strategy, the strategy at its core is, like, definitely a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the problem with this is that instead of being able to do, you know, upwards of, what, you know, 210, uh, or excuse me, 220, 250, 280 damage, um, you're kind of poisoning and hiding behind this one prizer with 130 HP and doing 40 damage in between turns. There's just a little bit of a power level difference there. Um, you do have them. the Radiant Hisuian Sneasler. So <laughs> true, It's a super dude. long card name. <laughs> <laughs> That that one card is like part of why I'm disgusted by the deck is like because you know there that this card's only the deck just because it's a dark radiant Pokemon, <laughs> you know? Like there's no other option. Like, sure. Like, I surely if there was like a radiant Charizard was dark type, they wouldn't play this card. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you don't understand. It builds up the it builds up builds up the poison damage. <laughs> <laughs> Much faster, bro. It's like it's like you're one point fiving the wheezing damage, dude. It's you are. You, you literally are. And are you can't, bro. You can't discount that. Um I'm Googling right now because on Limitless the card looks so crazy and I wanna see like a real picture of it. Yeah, so like <laughs> because the word Hisuian is like a tag word, I guess. It's like smaller, but radiant is part of the name. So it's like radiant in full size text, then Hisuian in little text, then Sneasler in big text. That's so insane. It is quite the quite the name to look at. That is so insane. That that rocks actually. But so okay, so we're kind of I know we're, we're ragging. We're, we're flirting around the main question here, and that's, is Eternatus a one-hit wonder? Is Eternatus a deck that 
should have a more prominent presence in the metagame? Or is it one of those decks that, uh, you know, maybe capitalized on a few matchups and got a little bit lucky and, you know, ended up placing um, in the top two of a major tournament? Like, does it have the staying power? To be honest, I don't think it it really does. I, I don't think the Lugia matchup in particular is good enough to like consistently be making these super deep runs. Um, certainly you can win versus Lugia. Um, you know, I highly doubt Brandon would have made it that far if he hadn't yeah. beat Lugia's up to that point. But I think on the whole, you'll lose enough of those Lugia matchups that um, it'll be tough. Now, I think one limiting factor, which makes it hard to judge, is we can't just look at this deck and be like, oh, you know, they haven't had that many top eights, so is it a good deck at all? Because it's been a very underrepresented deck, you know, if you look at Lugia, it's 30% of the field. Yeah, it's getting 50% of top eights, which is still an improvement, but there's so many people that you're going to get something, most likely, or the deck is probably not that good. Um, whereas Eternatus, you know, you're getting like three people in a day two of a tournament who play Eternatus, right? Um, so I don't know. I think it's a, you could make day two with this deck. I doubt you'll make top eight super frequently with this deck is, is my interpretation. That's fair. Any other decks from the weekend, either from Bochum or from Knoxville that had you excited? Doesn't necessarily have to be a high placing deck, but anything that, you know, you looked at either maybe while you were watching the stream or looking at the finishes, then had you excited for eh, maybe there's a little more innovation left in this format? Um, I mean, nothing jumped out crazy to me. I think Arceus Duraludon having three top eights across the two tournaments this weekend was a little interesting. Um, you know, that deck is just, it's around, you know, it's perpetually around. Uh, and I, I think maybe the big shift for this tournament was the the Vika Volts showing up and showing up hard, you know, there's just so many people playing Vika Volt. If you scroll through the Knoxville Limitless page, you'll see Vika Volts, like, no matter how deep you scroll, there's probably going to be one on your page. So, like, that's kind of interesting to me as well. And yeah. um, I don't know if it, like, drastically changes how you approach the metagame. Now, if, now that Vika Volt's sort of a more popular archetype, maybe it impacts your decision to play Lost Box or not, or like the cards you include in Lost Box, if you think Vika Volt's going to be a lot more popular. But on the whole, like nothing is so shocking to me that it's like warping my perspective. I don't know if you feel differently. No, I, I don't really. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe we take out the flying Pikachu and we put in Xander's Pidgeot Dreepy. The infestation was, is pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. I I don't quite understand it. The idea is if they bench Manaphy, Dunsparce, or Dunsparce won't work as powerful as, but if they bench Manaphy or Pumpkaboo, you can boss it up in Infestation, and it doesn't matter how many energies they attach to it with Orcorio out, they won't do damage. Um, so you just Infestation and deck them out. Yeah, I, yeah. I, well, I I mean, I understand that that's kind of the the end game there, but you know the way that we had played the mu deck into lugia like we were never getting to that end game well i think the idea is is more like you sort of judge path them turn two and if that sticks then you then still you win. have a way to right and if it, if it doesn't stick then they probably benched pumpkaboo probably to get out of it and that gives you that route it's interesting so like i kind of see it to be honest <laughs> like i could see how the technology was crafted in the lab you know i, right. saw, I could see All what right. he was cooking well there is i mean there is that benefit that dreepy is a fusion strike pokemon dreepy is a fusion strike pokemon uh and um i have another thought as well and you know you could maybe pick up random freaking dubs against other decks by doing stuff like that you know sure um so I don't know, it doesn't seem horrible. Yeah, I guess like 
if you run lost box out of resources or something you can yeah or like some... reggie's runs out of scoop up nets and attaches their energies um mm. yeah you could trap something um you had arceus deck you can trap something without energy for a turn <laughs> it's curious to say the least <laughs> I, th- I mean i could smell what he was cooking is all i'm saying but did he cook too hard <laughs> did hit- we cook who cooked harder i guess <laughs> i think you i think everybody was in the kitchen for Everyone sure cooked equally yeah but yeah. just imagine what would happen if we combined forces <laughs> xander is, tra- is constantly trying to make the most egregious new deck list <laughs> possible <laughs> and i respect that heavy absolutely absolutely <laughs> so i think we're approaching the tail end of the cast here do you have any other thoughts as as Knoxville and Bochum are behind us and sort of what's looking ahead for, uh, you know, just over a week from now. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, a lot of these same kind of concepts hold true, um, heading into the next tournament, Lugia is still a dominating force, but there's also room for other decks to do well. Although I think that you, I mean, everyone's going to have to get lucky, but with some of these other, decks i just like you said earlier i don't expect them to do particularly well although there may be spikes um from from players so you know decks that reasonably i think have a chance to win i would say lugia lost box reggie's and mew honestly i do think despite its pretty abysmal results in north america i do think that deck has a shot to win a tournament here um and then you have these kind of tier two that are always around the top tables never quite making it there. You got your Duraladons, your uh, Palkias, you know, your Rayquaza lost boxes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, these feel like decks that are almost there, but not quite. If I were going to the tournament in two weeks, you'd have to really convince me on uh, not playing either Lugia or Mew. Those, those feel like great choices for me right now. Yeah, I was I was texting Lance Bradshaw earlier today because we were we were both at 300 points and we were talking about getting our invites and I was like, yeah, you know, at this point in Crown Zenith, it would be hard to, con- especially so close to my invite, it would be tough to convince me not to just play Lugia or Mew at a tournament and get the points. Yep. So, cool. Well, I think that's. That's kind of the vibes that we're feeling right now. Lugia is still that deck, sorry to say, uh, for the Lugia haters out there. But looks like that's the way it's going to be for a little while longer. Yeah, suck it, Lugia haters. <laughs> yes, that's so true. If you are interested, though, in checking us out on social media to keep up with the conversation, good news is that we are very active on Twitter. You can find the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon. Make sure to DM us your stand-up routines. You can find JW at Real John Walter and myself at Smiles with Riles. And we also record the podcast live every single week on twitch.tv, usually on my channel. Uh, that's Munner, M U N N E R. But you can also find it on JW's channel, Real John Walter, for the weeks that I'm away, which will include next week's episode. So be sure to check them out there. And with that, we're so thankful for all of you who listen and support us every single week. Make sure to check out the shirts if you haven't already, and we will catch you next time. Peace. See you.